Welcome to the Liberation Lab podcast, insights and interviews for the disruptive educator. I'm honored to have my sis on, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. So why don't you tell people who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Hey, hey, y'all. My name is Alexia Pendleton, also known as the dancer teacher. So a little bit about me is I'm a kindergarten teacher in Atlantic City, New Jersey. So that's what I do by the day at night. Jersey in the building. Jersey. (laughs) Um, I'm a wife, a mom of two boys, um, four and 11. So big gap there. And I also, when I'm not teaching, when I'm not mom and wife life, I am hip hop dancing. So I'm a choreographer, a dance instructor, as well as a fitness instructor. So doing lots of things. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. My sis also be speaking. So <laughs> don't let her, don't let her just shortchange herself right here. Not, not on, not on this podcast. No, no, she does all the things. We're gonna make sure we put all, all the respect on her name. All the things. All the things. So, so listen. Um, this season, we have been talking about and centering um, two things: healing and humanity. Um, two things that I think have been deprived, uh, systematically uh, squelched, or taken out of the education system. When I think of joy in the classroom, uh, sis, you embody it. Um, and what you do and how you approach things uh, in. And so I want to start here. When we think about just your journey in education, um, the things you've had to learn, grow in, all those things, were you always like, was this always a priority for you that this 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 center centering joy in the classroom? Um, that most definitely, I think with all things, I want to center joy because joy is freedom and liberation in my eyes. And Mm. the system does everything to take that away from us and our kids. Mm. So I always want to prioritize joy because we're going to go through, you know, happy times, but a lot of education be hard. Mm. (laughs) It's such a hard place. Mm. Um, hard mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and that's not just as educators, that's for our kids too. So I wanted to be in a place and, and cultivate a space that, you know, not only I feel free and safe, but my kids come every day and feel the same where Mm. they can be their authentic selves, where, you know, the system might come for us a little bit, but if we always focus on, you know, that joy and that spirit and that connection and community, um, it transforms, you know, just the way we learn, the way we see each other, uh, the way we move. And it keeps me sustained in this work. You know, I've always been mm-hmm. one to say, you know, the classroom is the place where I feel the most free. I feel the my most true, authentic self. I feel safe. And I don't know if it's just because it's children that don't be judging. But um, I think it's important that we bring that that energy. That's how we yeah. combat, you know, systems of oppression. I think that when we think about education right now today teachers that are walking back into classrooms especially where we are right so when we think about the way that teachers are coming back to the classroom there is some there's a sense of just collective dread 
-hmm. For some, they are, they're not walking back into the classroom. They are getting dragged, kicking and screaming into the classroom. Um, They're not ready for summer to end. Matter of fact, uh, they, they, you know, they, they would rather be doing something else. And I think a lot of it is because there has been a lack of joy. I agree. Um, joy being an act of resistance, joy being the, the, the vehicle that can drive our learning and instruction. Um, but here's the danger, and, and this is where I want to kick it to you. There are many educators who feel like, well, if you go too far down that joy road, then you're not going to have enough learning. And they see these two things as antithetical to one another. What do you say to the educator that feels like, nah, you're doing too much? (laughs) Well, I would like to say you better look up the neuroscience behind it because when we get deep into uh, how the brain works, um, not only with just how children's brains are forming, and the pathways, the neurological pathways that make new connections, but it's also, you know, trauma informed. So when I, uh, when I teach, I, I always, you know, go back to the brain and I want, you know, equity centered trauma approaches to my instruction, to my classroom. And, um, when you really look into the research, um, and see the evidence, there's no denying that, you know, joy helps to rewire the brain in so many ways that leads us into uh, critical thinking and learning. Um, Oftentimes, you know, especially with with what the climate that we're living in now, not only our teachers brains, you know, operating in a space where it's just completely shut down, a lot of us are operating in that flight or or fight response. Um, And when we're operating in that, and that's the very bottom of our brain. So like, if Mm. our brain is closed like this, this is like the brainstem. And then in order to get to the top of the brain where critical thinking happens, those things have to be operating effectively. Right, Um, right. So when they're not, our kids ain't gonna learn anyway. So it's so crazy to me when people like say that because that is going to lead to more engagement, to higher learning, because most times kids are not learning. They're just memorizing boo-boo. So like they don't forget because mem- like a lot of education is compliance, memorization, and you know, just pushing through to get to the next instead of really making sure our kids are engaged, are learning, and are able to be critical thinkers. Um, we gotta bring all those levels down in the brain. And it's it's apparent now because educators are feeling the same trauma response that a lot of our kids might be experiencing as well. Hmm. I heard a story once that, that uh, you made me think of just now. And it was a story of um, this man who would like walk to work every day. And on his walk, there was this, he would see this man pushing this like lever, this pump. He'd be churning it and he would not tire. He's like, how does this man do this? So every day he would see him. And one day he decided, like, let me talk to him. Hey, sir. No response. He keeps going. Um, The next day he's like, you know what? I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to go down there. So he goes down there and he realizes that it's not a man at all. It's really the pressure 
from this valve is making the the dummy continue to churn. And and I think what we've done in education is reverse the process of learning so that we're looking at the indicators like, are they repeating the process from the pressure that we put on the baby? No, they're repeating what you're saying, but really we're not getting to the bolts and, 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 and the, the essence of true learning. Can they make that connection and make it to something that's happening in the real life? Are they getting to this higher order thinking? Are they doing any of that? Well, probably because our classrooms are boring. Probably because we have not approached learning in such a way that makes it like if you don't believe this, they not going to believe it. Either. And there's something that I know about kids. They will tell you what's real. They will fish out what's fake from a mile away. And if you don't ever approach them with some type of authenticity, they will snuff it out and make sure you know about it. They will call you out in two seconds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> It's it's the funniest thing. I'll go in a classroom and I'll observe or whatever, and I'm like, hey, you always do this? No. She don't want to do this. They'll let you know. <laughs> They'll let you know. Um, so your journey um, as an educator, um, you've continued to center joy, but I'm sure that hasn't always looked the same. How would you describe that process of growth? Um, for educators who, are, who might be listening, they hear us say things like joy and, and equity, but they want to know what that looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. So how can we bring it, bring it to a tangible way? What does that look like for you in the course of your career? So when I started out, you know, that was probably, uh, I didn't start in a classroom. I started in an ESL position and I always wanted my own classroom because sometimes you know, when you don't have it, you're boxed in and, and I don't follow those box curriculums. So I found that I was like losing my mind, like combating, combating and not having my own core space to really show what I could do um, yeah. and what my students could do. Yeah. So when I got into the classroom, you know, I was very thankful because that had always been a dream for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I started with this mindset, again, that was going to center joy and love and light. Um, but through the years, I've learned so much about myself um, in the journey. And this year was was probably by far the most growth that I've had as an educator. Mm. Um, I've always, you know, made it a point to make a goal for myself. Um, and I noticed that mentally, again, with the pandemic and the changes, like I was drained, uh, my students were drained and, and I've always like incorporated music, like incorporating music and movement are one of the top ways that the brain, again, can calm itself down to think clearly. So I've always incorporated that. But this year I've noticed that um, I, I made it a goal for to build student confidence. So how my goal was, to inspire student confidence and student voice through my language. Because oftentimes as adults, we're using the language that has been, you know, pro uh, conditioned in yeah. us yeah. To, uh, to say from early on, you know, from most of us, our childhood, you know, uh, we weren't allowed to communicate. It was no. to stay in a child's place, you do as I say, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. So we never learned healthy communication. Mm -hmm. And I was always 
you know, I, I record myself often. I'm very reflective in my practice because I do want to be better for me. And I noticed that it was, it was a crazy, it was a funny thing, but I asked my students to say, this was like two years ago, can you say something that Miss P always says all the time? Yeah. And it was hilarious, but it was negative. None of the kids recognize, like, and I know that they see, because I, I try to love in all different love languages and styles, but I noticed that the language was something that they're hearing and they're repeating. And although it was funny, like, bro, you be saying hella negative stuff. Like, yeah. and it's like yeah. conditioned. So this year I was like, all right, I'm gonna watch my language. I'm going to be intentional about my how I speak and ensuring that it's in a healthy way. Yeah. And um and and to build student confidence and student voice. And the effects that I saw academically, socially, emotionally um on my students and on and it was hard for me. Um but just their growth and their belief in themselves and their love and their confidence and support for each other was just like that was a, a big a big centering joy you know joy can be so many different things but that yeah. in itself just to see the confidence in my kids this year it was just like yo this is crazy but then it was the self-work for me well what happened as a kid where you didn't have confidence and wow so then i started like kind of spiraling mentally um in the beginning and then i was like yo you gotta go to therapy like i was going through some other things mentally and i and then i was like all right i'm gonna start therapy yeah and that was where my journey began so like my students inspired me to mm -hmm. get help and to break down all those things from the past to get to the root of those issues that i've been having so that was joy in itself for me um, and, and to see my kids this year. I think we forget how powerful it is. Like education, being a teacher, being a leader, but wherever, whatever facet you're in, it is one thing where you cannot separate your personal development from the profession and how we grow or lack thereof will have a deep impact on how our students grow. Um, I agree. So so wholeheartedly with what you shared uh you know it probably going on about four or five six months now I've, I've also started therapy um trying to process childhood wounds that still show up today and all up. of this yeah yeah <laughs> you know i say i say often you know for those that have listened and rock with me for a while they know like you know it's a story of adoption in my past and and being the unwanted child on the doorstep is like the thing that haunts me to where I feel like I have to outperform, outdo, be excellent at all times so that I'll be wanted. And uh, when you do that, you fail to see people for who they are and where they are. You write your own autobiography in every single thing that they do, and you personalize things that aren't personal. Mm -hmm. And I see teachers do it all the time. And I'm, I'm starting to recognize through my own healing journey oh, there's a space of unmet expectation, unprocessed harm that is replicating itself here. And teachers who don't prioritize their healing, who don't understand those things, 
will tend to replicate it in the children that they teach. Whole like it is straight hook, line, and sinker what happens. Um, which brings me to to my question that I wanted to ask you is in this process of healing and in this process of, of learning more about yourself, how has it made you I'm gonna use the word a vessel better fit for joy? Like how has your healing enabled your joy? Yeah. Um, I think, especially in the classroom, but outside of the classroom more so, um, I think I've been more free to, again, kind of similar to you and your, you know, that that's a trauma response that we have, um, where, you know, it's the perfectionism. It's like trying to be, be that person for somebody that ain't even checking for you. Like, and you tripping about this and it's like all on us in our minds. So um, I think letting that go, trying Mm -hmm. my best to let that go and just feel and be present in the moments that matter. Um, Also, you know, with in the education system, like, of course, when you're invested in this work and you're in your, you know, fighting the system, it can feel like an endless battle. So, but that's also putting the pressure of, well, what's this person going to say? And what's that person going to say? And what do I got to, so like for me this year, it's been like, bro, you don't got like, stop this mind hustle in your mind. Like you got to chill. Like you going to, again, your biggest, like your biggest flex is like your students and their families. Like, why are you worried about what this person's saying and that and the, the like it ain't it don't even matter like your yeah. impact is far greater on the people that actually matter and support you than the people who go and try to come for you like and I would like drive myself crazy mm. um, so that joy has been letting that go and just being who I am and that has come with opportunity this year that has come with like so much personal growth and just being better as a, as an educator. So that's been my, you know, how it's transferred into my life. As, as someone who obviously, you know, I'm, I'm in the stands chairing, uh, for, for all the things that you, you've been, you've been doing, I've been able to witness, and I, I wouldn't even put the two together till you just said it, but I, I've been able to see through your healing journey that you, you're not shrinking, mm-hmm. right? Like you're stepping into all that you bring to the table with us, with a certain level of, of confidence, right? And I think, well, what the beauty in that is you are still the self-reflected teacher that is trying to make sure that they're bringing best practices, that they're really engaging with, you know, how am I talking to kids? How am I engaging with them? How do they feel that I am? I'm not just going to look at what I think and play my own highlight reel in my mind. I'm going to actually embody a radical humility that says, nope, let me really evaluate this thing. And so I appreciate that, that you can model for us and for all those listening that you can be self-reflective and learn and grow, but also through your healing, I'm not going to shrink. I am all that. I do bring all of these things. And I think that's a beautiful thing to see. Um, and I hope that, that, that those who will listen to this will, will engage around that same work because perhaps the growth that we want to see as an educator is limited by the fact that we're not tackling the issues personally that 
that prevent us from doing so. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So you said something earlier uh, about <laughs> about how our babies almost are like windows or, or, or mirrors, if you will. They they help us really see ourselves. Like they, you asked them that question. You said, "Hey, uh, what say something to Miss Baby saying?" And they 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 told you. Well, they they let me know a lot yeah. of things. <laughs> Um, my, my, my question to that is for educators who are, who are listening, what did it take for you to, to step into that? Right. Cause I don't think sometimes we don't even listen to, to our babies. Like we don't listen to them mm-hmm. Two, we don't, we don't take what they say as instructive, right? We think it's one way that they only learn from us. We go shout out to Paulo Ferry, that banking model there, they come into us empty and we make the deposits. So. So what allowed you to flip it and say, I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to approach it differently? Um, I always wanted to make sure and I and I noticed like I had like student leadership in my class, but it wasn't to the effect or the magnitude that I thought it could be, especially because, you know, they'd be kindergartners. They'd be doing a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> It'd be a lot. But um Last year, I implemented a DJ of the day. Mm. And uh, the DJ of the day is like the person that does all the uh, the leadership. It's like they get to be the teacher for the day. Yeah. And I implemented that. And I didn't know where it was going to go. You know, my theme is like hip hop. So like they get yeah. to like lead the songs, the music. They they lead in the line. They lead in all the things. Yeah. Um, and I noticed like, yo, I could sit like they can do this. Like, I don't got to be like, mm. I feel like with education, like the system has always been the same. Like yeah. it's always the teacher. And, and I reflected on the fact that like, it'd be like that for us. Like, oh, y'all want to control what we teach and how we teach it, what we read in this. this you got to be on this page on this time. And, and I've never been about you know, following that script. So I was like, but my students need that. And they need that outlet to, you know, one, learn how to lead and be given that confidence to lead. Like we don't allow them to do it. And then we like, yo, why do you knock if you buck? Because we ain't giving them no, (laughs) no opportunities. And I like, I was thinking like, it's kind of like that, that parent that's like sheltering their kid, like, and they not letting them do nothing. And then they go to college and they walling out like wow. we're building the same type of type of students. They're they're, you know, suppressed in their thinking. They're not allowed. They have to be a code of compliance with everything. Like yeah. and then the minute they have like a fun day at school, they're like, oh, they can't handle that because yeah. they be out of control. But yeah. we'd never get them an opportunity to lead, practice, have critical conversations. So it's like, it's mad important to me to see the effects of student leadership, student community. So like last year, I developed like community um, careers. So like changing the dynamic of how we like reimagining the classroom. So like we got a secretary, we got like a reading specialist, a writing specialist, a love consultant, like they are taking over the classroom and leading it, um, feeling like 
not only leadership qualities, but like autonomy in the space, uh-huh. Uh-huh. running it. Um, and it's like a community that we would want to see in the real world, but like, obviously it's in a classroom, but like, if we could all have these many, like things in our classroom that should be what society sees, um, and is, it would be, it would be a game changer, but people got to be unafraid to step out of the box and reimagine what that looks like and not be afraid to get in trouble because they're going they're going to say something anyway so absolutely i i think the the opportunity uh for our students to grow into leadership um the opportunity for them to fail forward and and understand they can pick themselves up and 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 get back to it like we don't entrust them with small things. Then we get to the big moment and are like, see, that's why we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, Hold on, wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand this right. You you don't give them things because you haven't taught them how to receive the thing. And then you punish them for not receiving it the way you wanted them to. Make it make sense. Like, how does <laughs> that make sense? Help but me understand that. culture all the way around. Like this is in schools across the country. And when I yeah. hear it, it's like, bro, y'all got to give these kids a chance. Like, and you have to model it. Yes. You have to be, like show them what it looks like. Like the, the greatest like problem is we have expectations with no communication and no modeling. So yes. how are they supposed to know? Yes. Yes. It is. It is the, the uh, uncommunicated expectation. Any yeah. relationship. Right. Uh, shout out to to all the husbands out there. Um, uncommunicated <laughs> expectations will be the the the, the death of team. potential the death of That's any relationship. If you, yeah. yeah, if I you don't say a, it, a podcast on that, John, and I'm like, yo, that's deep. Like, how 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 y'all supposed to know? I wanted you to pick up this this the dishes and then be coming home all mad because I ain't telling y'all. Can you just Salty. do dishes? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we be running around y'all ragged. I know, but I'm doing better with that. Yes, you yeah. know, and, and better. Yes, listen, we all on the we all on the road. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I've learned to create moments of invitation, right? And I want to relate it back to the classroom. To your point, if we were to invite people right to to a cookout, right at our house. And we were to say, you know, you have you have your your folks there. I have my folks here. We we we're inviting people out. We don't just invite them to our space without considering what they like, who they are, without answering the ancestral question: Who all gonna be there? Mm-hmm. We consider all of those things, right? If we were to make like I think back to when I was um, planning the guest list for our wedding, me and me and Shana, like. This person got to sit with this person. They can't sit with that person. Uh-huh. Right? Like if they're going to have a good time, they're going to sit with these people. This these their people, right? Like you you consider it and you make it into all the planning and the process for all of those things. And it's like we invite students to our classrooms or at least you open the door whether or not you're inviting them, that's another story. But you open your door every day and they come in and there's no thought process planning no invitation for them to feel like oh you thought of me mm-hmm. you 
you really cared about me in this process. Even if I don't resonate with all the things, at least I know you thought of me. And then as a result, we wonder why there's no buy-in. We wonder why there's no, there, there's no, uh, they don't approach the learning moment the same way we'd like them to. But when we talk about joy, we're talking about putting them in an experience where now learning and and education and the classroom don't become a place of harm anymore. It's a space of wholeness, of healing. When they when they recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually laughing and learning here. Yeah. That uh, that moment is is transformative for a child. Now, I can hear many teachers. Listen, uh, Alexia, I see your videos. I I I clap on one and three. Uh, I can't dance <laughs> like you can dance. I I you know I have an appreciation for hip hop, but but from afar, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying the lyrics. I'm not doing the things. I I don't know how to do all that. So how can I? And and let's just assume here, my non rhythmic self. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how can I embody joy in the classroom? I can hear them saying, "I, I got rhythm." Just for the record, just saying, you know, somebody oh. else might not have it and might not be able to. <laughs> You know, I would say for one, and going to your point, like inviting the students in takes a lot of communication that we're not having. So one thing that I do from the jump of the day, you know, just have music playing. Now it could be getting to know your students and asking them what they like, or, you know, making a playlist with different music and old school, new school, hip hop, rock, whatever you like, like, have the doors open to where it feels like you go into the club every day. Like that, that's the feeling that I've always said, like when you out with your, with your friends and you kicking it and y'all like, what is the greatest feeling? Like, it's just like y'all having fun. It's like, I want my kids to come into school, just feeling that feeling every day. So from the jump, but then it's not just like dancing and singing and, you know, carrying on, like, a big component of the joy in my classroom is cultivated in our community meetings. So Mm. like really taking the time and it could be 10 to 15 minutes, but like we got to do better than just saying, okay, pick a picture. Which one is it? Happy, sad, mad, like how are you feeling? Like all of our students need to be involved in those conversations. So in the beginning of the year, you know, it could be easy questions. Like that's that surface culture. Like, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? Like, that's getting to know what your students like. Da, 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 da. But then we go into feelings, like, and not just have to be sad. Like, what is it? And, and all my students have the opportunity to share so we can hear from different perspectives. But like, what does it feel like when you're frustrated? Like, what makes you frustrated? What mm-hmm. makes you feel, uh, what makes you feel furious? What makes you feel uh, ashamed? What makes you feel uh, depleted? Like, these are different you know, emotional building that emotional intelligence within them, that vocabulary, because most of our kids don't have that vocabulary. Even we don't have that vocabulary. Like, okay, let me think. And then it's like, oh, Miss P gets frustrated when we tap her. Like, but I know what this student makes her frustrated. So let me chill on that. Cause then that mitigates a lot of the behavior problems. And then once we get the vocabulary, we go in deeper into like, what brings you joy? What is love to you? Uh, What is, what is, what does dreaming mean? So like throughout, and this is kindergarten. Now I wish I had the older students cause you know, 
Yeah. Dive. So they answers they are ain't going to be, but so deep, but sometimes yeah. we do be getting deep and it's like, somebody will talk about their family life and some, you know, traumas that they might go through. And then the other kids is like, yo, I, you know, I see you for, for who you are. That's how we build joy because we get to know each other on a deeper level. And then that gives us, you know, to love each other, even when it's hard, cause they be tripping still, but yeah. That's that's one of the biggest ways that I would say to build joy. Yeah. Just laugh. Like how many times a day are you fixing behaviors? I read something like 85% of a teacher's day is 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 fixing be student behaviors. Like you spending yeah. hella time on that and then their kids ain't learning. So like how how many times are you laughing? Like ask yourself, ask your students, how many times do we laugh throughout the day? How many times do you smile? How many times do you feel defeated? Like and that's how we 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 build joy. We build love and light in our classrooms. Yeah, I, I love the piece about teachers co-creating the space with their students. Mm -hmm. I think so often we, you know, you get all of the decorations, all of the things. You decorate every single wall. You put up all the stuff, and and I know that it's with intention, right? Like you're excited for the year. But I always say, like, leave a wall or two free and and create that space with your students so they they can begin to when when it's theirs and they own it they 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 feel a sense of belonging to it it's harder to harm it mm -hmm. right and you have a sense of restoration now because they understood what the assignment was when they first started they they took place and 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 began to put their imprint on what the classroom space could mean and be and how it should uh you know how we should interact with one another and so when you don't include them in that process, it is no wonder that they don't feel like, well, I'm not doing any of this because I wasn't thought of to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love that piece. Um, and so that authenticity leads to joy. Um, for those who are listening, can you share just like some wins from doing this? What Like any stories that stick out uh, that could leave our listeners feeling like, okay, I, I can do this and I can see the end result because Miss P does it. Yeah. Um, I would think of my, my biggest, uh, <laughs> challenge this year. With mm -hmm. this student. Um, and honey, she was, she, she had some traumatic things at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and different things that we was working through combatant. So like the beginning of the year, and you know, I'm real 100, like it was hard. And that was challenging me to be patient. You know, she would be the one that would be running around the classroom. If it, the attention wasn't on her, chaos would ensue, screaming, uh, violence, all of that. And then after you know we started building community within our circle and then i modeled how to use like the our calm our chill spot in the class like to see her throughout the year be able to self-regulate yeah. and then she was the one that anytime it was something fun like we like bruh we know she about to <laughs> she about to trip and to see the kids like normally the kids would be like oh come on like now we getting in trouble because she she the only one because you know how teachers do they'd be like yeah. all right everybody lose recess over that yeah. one kid yeah. but because of our conversations because of the joy like 
every morning it would be like the kids was come on girl they was dancing with her and supporting her and like when she would go to the calm down spot they would come and and like it's a like hug her and embrace her and support her through it even one day and it was probably like a huge pivotal moment um she was having a real rough time and at home and mom texts me like yo um she was just talking to me and she said we need to take our breaths calm our brains down so that we can have healthy communication and she was telling this to her mom like yeah. and her mom was just like yo i'm so grateful like i see the progress in her like and just she was still like the again with this restorative approach it's not going to be done like this is not this quick fix like you get a sticker out the prize box okay that behavior corrects itself and then two days later they doing the same thing like this is over time you're going to notice some like huge huge strides from from the kids so like by the end of the year like and for me to like not put up that like resentment like it was just a big win in my eyes to see like in the confidence building and her ability to say, you know what, like we was in summer school and I wasn't even teaching her. And she yeah. was like, I saw her once she was getting frustrated cause she wasn't getting something. And I saw her on stage, like she took her breaths and then she was like, Miss P I'm gonna believe in myself. I could do it. Like just to hear that language and to see that and then to ask the other teacher and like she was like, yo, she's she's able to like calm her body down. Like she recognizes when she's losing control. Like that was like, okay, we doing it. We yeah. this is this is what it's all about. So that was like my biggest like let's yeah. go moment. Yeah, I think, you know, for educators listening, um, we have to remove the mindset that, you know, our behavior systems with kids is like hitting the lottery, right? It's low investment, but we expect the biggest rewards at the end of it. It's not like hitting the lottery. No, it's like long-term investing. It's like putting putting money into a long-term investment where you know you're not going to see it today, tomorrow, or even possibly over the next six, seven, eight months. You're probably not going to see it. But if you continue to be principled and disciplined about it, if you continue to believe and arrive with authenticity and joy, then then at just like we don't see the child growing physically in front of us, we'll begin to see the growth and development of that child because we provided space for that over a course of time because we believe in the child not some system of correction and compliance we believe in that child's capacity to grow and to change and to develop and i think it it baffles me that we don't do that because we were once children doing foolish things and we had all had to learn and grow and develop and some of us still got some growing to do more than others (laughs) but we're all on the process right um and so i I appreciate that insight um as we round out our time i want to i want to do two things first obviously since you know uh, i love 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 and support all that you do i think you're brilliant and i love what you mean for just for education in general for all those who will listen to you and i'm excited for even what this next year is going to mean for you um just knowing my and 
in my corner, I, I am cheering and supporting wholeheartedly. So I, I want to say that to you publicly. Um, in addition, man, um, I want to ask for folks who are now just getting in touch with you, may not have seen or connected with your brilliance. How can folks get in touch with you um, and how can folks support you? Oh, yeah. Y'all can follow me on all platforms at The Dancer Teacher. Um, and just continue to uh, spread joy and light and love. Um, that's the biggest change. And then build community. So, um, yeah, just support me through that. And just continuing on your purpose and your passion. Um, and I feel likewise about, about you, Bobby. I'm so proud of you. So proud of, you know, your growth and your new journey as a VP. I know it's not an easy one. I could never do it. So I get all my power because, honey, nope, absolutely not. Absolutely. Nah, you want to come on over? Oh, no, no, no. I will stay with the children. <laughs> you got that. And I know you're doing an amazing job. I know that those teachers are so blessed to have you. So I big appreciate things, you, sis. big things this year. Big things, Guan. <laughs>